This is Delve into Discourse. I'm Isaac Pickram. I'm Achua Lai. And I'm Jahari Shelton. This is a new podcast where we will be discussing and evaluating our opinions, sentiments, and analyses on the pressing issues of our world. All right. So recently, Chance the Rapper announced his support for Kanye West on Twitter and has been going on kind of subsequent Twitter rants, if you will, tweeting out questions um, and kind of challenging some of his followers on his support for Kanye. And um, I mean, personally, this came at a little bit of shock. Um, but then after some reflection, I realized that they're probably just friends. Two Chicago rappers are bound to be friends, I guess. <laughs> um, so, so this doesn't shock me as much as it would have. Um, my question to you guys is what do you make of it? What do you make of celebrities now coming out and supporting Kanye? Because I had posted something on my private Instagram the other day being like celebrities not denouncing Kanye's running is to me the most telling thing um, and how celebrities support each other and maybe some, I hate to be a conspiracy theorist, but like some um, backing from celebrities might be indicative of, um, I guess this web of the elites. Um, but like, I, yeah, what do you make of this? Well, I mean, we talked about Kanye last time, and I think it's all BS. But yes, I found it very surprising. Um, I think it scares me because honestly, I thought this was going to be met with just people being like, what is going on? It's another one of his rants. And now I see people genuinely supporting him, whether it be a joke or not. Um, and so now I'm getting scared about the validity of the statements I made on our last episode. Uh, I do think it's just generally very odd and crazy. Mm. I think it's very selfish. I mean, we know that the cult of celebrity, like the system, the structure, the personification of celebrity is very strong um, in this country specifically, or else we would not have the person we have now as president. Mm -hmm. um, so that said, there... What, what, okay, so what's first um, interesting is that it doesn't seem as of today Kanye West has really done anything to um, declare himself a presidential candidate. Like, I there's no FEC paperwork, there's no platform, there's no signatures to get on the November ballot. Um, like, he has no infrastructure, right, for president, considering that this is something that is less than four months away. What is so what is troubling to me is that people treat the presidency, and this is specifically aimed at Chance the Rapper's statement, and for all of those who agree with him, that it seems that we're now treating the presidency as something that we just toy around with, like as if there's there's no skills, there's no um qualifications, there's no <laughs> tactfulness to who we deem as being. Head, who should be the head of this country, the head of this empire, whatever, <laughs> right? Um, and it should be a narcissistic rapper who is going through manic episodes. Like, I but okay, um, I would tentatively disagree. I mean, okay, so I think Chance was 
what's sad about Chance is that he, in my opinion, his subsequent tweets had some validity to them. Like, what do we even deem as presidential? Um, that to me is an essential question that we had to ask ourselves in 2016, but with Kanye in a separate kind of different manner. I think you touched on that last time, but there is like, so <laughs> there's this also this, this aspect of precedent because we have Donald Trump in office right now. As I stated before, in my head, Donald Trump and Kanye West are running on the same, and that's why I think they're working together. But to me, they're running on the same kind of concept of absurdism. Like it's, it's, it's so absurd that it's so real and so American. Um, and I don't know like even what to make of that. But I think that like Chance the Rapper, I don't know if you guys have read his tweets, he is kind of pushing people on their notions of presidency, but I don't think it's it's in the right direction. I still think that we should be voting for Biden, unfortunately. I think, I mean, right, like Biden has critiques that are valid, very valid. Um, but I think that I think that what's so dangerous is okay. So the notion that people ascribe to third party voters, people who do not vote for Biden at all and consistently probably do not vote for Democrats at all, um, should be now ascribed to people like Chance the Rapper who are being complicit in somebody trying to use their celebrity as a means to manipulate. Um, mm -hmm. Like Chance the Rapper is actually somebody who will get Trump reelected because he's taking away potential, you know, voters who are not, who are really undecided, right? The two, lesser of two evils kind of narrative. And here emerges a famous third person, right? That can use their celebrity to manipulate people into following them blindly because Kanye has no policy. <laughs> like even the policy he has spoken out on, I guess some people agree with it. Like, but that's not really the argument. That's that's side, you know, that's sidestepping. The real thing is that um that we're seeing like a dangerous erosion. Of, of like fact-based dialogue. Like there's nothing about Chance the Rapper's statement that's really based in any type of fact. Hmm. Like, he, like he can say because he trusts Kanye more than Biden, but like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, what is that based on? A low on? bar, it's a very low bar. It's a very low bar, it's a very low bar. But like, what does that mean? First of all, Chance the Rapper, <laughs> Like, like, and th th his glorification as like a philanthropist also concerned me when he was giving like a million dollars or so to the Chicago public schools, yet I've seen no material condition change in Chicago public schools. So do I trust you? <laughs> like, did you follow through on your philanthropy? Like, do you really care about the children of Chicago if they're still not literate, if they can't <laughs> do numeracy? Like, Right. Most philanthropists I know of have conditions, have statements, check back in. Right. <laughs> well, will Biden pacify the left, though? No. <laughs> that was a quick answer. Absolutely not. And, you know, I'm not the person to speak. I really am not the person to speak on presidential politics as somebody who supports revolution, because every every <laughs> statement I make 
is to agitate to the point of <laughs> destruction, which all sounds very negative, which I would say it is if you're very American. Um, but to be honest, all three of them are great candidates if we are talking about destabilization in the American system. Kanye would be disastrous, Trump would be disastrous, and Joe Biden will be disastrous. So um, from that perspective, I guess there really isn't a lesser of two evils. They all kind of do the same thing. Well, right, but I think the the the, the thing is, who's going to get the fallacy that everything is okay, right? Like in times of in times of crisis, in times of fear, right? People usually go towards the person that will give them that they feel will give them the most cover. Like, well, okay, think about coronavirus, right? Like we've seen a president that will like let it run so far out of control that we probably won't be able to recover within the next three years. And so, yeah. Right. So the real, so the question is like, okay, okay. I'm eager to get back into regular life. Like I want to ride a roller coaster. Like I want to go out to eat with my friends. Like I want to go clubbing, blah, 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 blah. And so the, the only person that's really providing me that reality or that I can imagine will give me that reality is Joe Biden because like he's got it all together. Like, oh my goodness, oh. Like, this should be easy. And that is the danger of revolutionary politics. Joe Biden is the danger you of mean presidential politics. No, no, no. Of revolutionary politics. Oh. <laughs> Joe Biden is the danger because Joe Biden offers more mitigation than any other candidate. And so while he is still an agitator, in my mind, he would agitate more so the Trump supporters who have already been disenfranchised. Um, but Joe, Joe Biden would pacify things in a way that would go back to Obama era where things are happening but being swept under the American rug. So your answer is rather yes. Joe Biden would pacify the left. Oh, well, that's interesting. I don't, I don't think he would pacify the left. I think he would pacify American centrists whose main purpose of politics is to talk about taxes and corporate functions and so on. Um, I don't think, there's no way Joe Biden would pacify leftist like Sanders supporters um, and I don't think he's going to try to um, in in his election process. But I think he's going to do more, more to pacify the white majority of America, regardless of their political um, sort of compass. I heard an interesting argument that Joe Biden is a better short term choice, but a worse long-term choice, whereas Trump is a worse short-term choice and a better long-term choice in the sense that so much of the, well, first of all, so much of the, of the abuse and harm has come from the Trump administration, but so much of the sort of radicalization has come from the Trump administration. And I mean, I feel like we heard this before Trump was elected. Um, but now it's fascinating, like would people, if George Floyd died, if coronavirus happened and Biden was president, would we have moved so far to the left? Like have, would more people have moved so far to the and left? As if we now have a scapegoat. I mean, he's not a scapegoat. He's a very real <laughs> perpetrator. But we have someone who is now the face of it. Well, this right? is precisely I what I'm saying in saying Joe Biden is the danger to these sorts of politics because to revolutionary politics, because 
what Joe Biden would do, I would say the masses of people on the left, we always talk about how they do performative action. But the reason the Democratic Party participates in performative action is because it works with the masses. And so when we don't have performative action, like someone like Trump, who's okay with being outwardly racist, it makes sure that those masses of the left are not subdued or or illusioned by performative action. And so that's where, I don't want to say the benefit of Trump, but that's where the negative of Joe Biden is, because Joe Biden would be all up in there with having Obama make speeches, talking about (laughs) the settled down race relations in this country. Meanwhile, people are being lynched and it would not come to the surface. Um, And so I think I sort of do, if I'm understanding your statement correctly, I do agree with your statement. Joe Biden would be more damaging to the long term if the long term goal is equality and justice. Well, but here's my. No, I was just going to say I hate the terms equality and justice. Like, (laughs) like you, you know, I'm really big on language and how we use it and semantics and all of that. First of all, equality and justice just don't go together like definition wise just don't mesh like when people like when people boil down black lives matter to like a movement for equality and justice i'm like please <laughs> like do you actually know what the movement for black lives is like but that's what's interesting is that i would argue that the black lives matter movement is a movement for equality in what way so so i don't think so i don't think that I feel like, the, well, the dominant narrative to me is like, well, we just want to be equal. We just want to be equal. And, I, and I, it's not like I want to be, I'm not, no Terry Crews, but um, I think that it is quite, it is kind of a diluted, diluted um, kind of uh, PC, I mean, okay, so you do have, you do have the exception to the rule but I think that, now this is another thing about allies, with the addition of a lot of allies, we do have this need to, I think, mold it into an, into an Instagrammable um, movement. I would agree with that, and I understand why. And that's not to say that we shouldn't have allies, but I do think that I would argue that the mainstream BLM movement is such. So mainstream movement, define that for me. Well, okay, I, but I, I agree with Atsway. I think that's true. But when you say it, are you saying it's an issue? Really. We talked that's about this a little bit. Uh, I can't remember if it was last episode or some other time, but about the, how important it is for a movement to be mainstream or not. Mm. And I think it definitely dilutes from the message, but there's a balance of the diluted message, but then no message being heard at all. Okay, here's my, so so what I'm basically saying is BLM isn't radical. At all. You have Trump supporters (laughs) putting hashtag Black Lives Matter. So to me, it's not, it's not radical. It is mainstream. Like, I don't know how to further. But that's the thing. It shouldn't be radical. And there it shouldn't be radical and that's and that's going to go into my further point of like what we call radical and 
like should we call it radical i don't think it's radical at all to say black lives matter but what i'm also saying is within the scope of of like the american mainstream is that you have people posting trump 2020 and then black tiles the next day <laughs> or those little black things like i don't know how it's socially acceptable to say black lives matter to a certain degree well i mean again like well first we have to talk about um black lives matter as the movement versus the organization because i think it's an important distinction um because right. I actually was surprised to read their list of demands. I don't have them up right now, and I don't, rem- I, I don't necessarily remember them. But there are 100% people saying Black Lives Matter who don't agree with the list of demands. And I actually think, while I don't mean to throw shade or to take away from what they're doing, or even to disagree with the, the um, organizers and heads of the Black Lives Matter organization, I think that some of what they're goals are could be considered radical and therefore would be slightly damaging to the narrative the non-organizational narrative of black lives matter and what i mean by that is so you have leaders of black lives matter talking about the nuclear family this is like the big thing on tucker carlson how he's like they're attacking the nuclear family and i'm not saying i disagree with that but there is a contrast between Black Lives Matter and Black Lives Matter destroy the nuclear family. Right. I mean, I do. Yeah. So I do think that there is a, a disconnect between the organization and the kind of mass movement. Yeah. So I guess that's basically what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to say anything about the organization or try to pacify it. But I, I am trying, I, 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 don't, I don't know even how to further explain it than, like, Trump supporters say Black Lives Matter. Yeah. That means something. Like, there's, there's a disconnect between what their personal politics and what they're saying and what's coming out of their mouth. But then I think there's a further disconnect between the organization itself and then the mass movement. I guess that's my point. Anyways, <laughs> Jari, anything to say on that? Now let's go on and move on now. Right. <laughs> um, I going back, and then I'll ask another question, and I feel like this might be a yes or no question. But are are black people in an abusive entanglement <laughs> with the Democratic Stop Party? It. Stop it! It's above me now. It's above me now. <laughs> We're not saying entanglement. <laughs> I I had an entanglement with. <laughs> Stop. I'm back on track. Um, Jahari, do you want to start answering that or do you want me to? You can start. Go ahead. Yes. No, Jahari can start because Jahari is a registered. But I just told Isaac to start. We don't need to be having Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'll, start, I'll start because I'm not a registered Democrat and never will be. So let me start. And then Jahari can defend why he's registered with the Democrats. Um, so. Yes, absolutely. Because Democrats use Black people as a political tool. They always have. It's always been about getting votes. It's never been about changing Black communities. We all know this. I don't understand why people why people are members of their parties. Like, craziness. Anyways, um, 
I think there, there is one thing I would say, and I, I know applies to certain states. In certain states, in order to vote in a primary, you have to be registered to a certain party or something like that. So there are people who might not be Republican or might not be Democrat, but register with that party so they can make a certain decision in the primaries. That's a different issue. Um, but I think, yes, in terms of the Democratic Party, I don't even think we need to pull up specific evidence like that sounds very weak of me but like it's so clear like my gosh it's just always been about playing black people and middle class white people at the same time keeping them close to each other but in segregated neighborhoods it's always been about that so so are the democrats kind of the good cops and the republicans the bad (laughs) that is very interesting analogy because i didn't even think about that yes i would say yes Come on, cops. Come on, cop analysis. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe we should put the Democrats and the, and the Republicans on like a rebooted version of cops since they wanted to take that show off the air. Since it's, yeah. <laughs> I would love to see it. I would love to see it. Just stick them in the house together and tell them to solve, you know, some policy issues. <laughs> so, Jahari, go ahead. Okay, so. I've registered to vote in 2018. So I was seven. Yeah, I was 17. Okay. So um, naturally, I wasn't voting. I mean, I wasn't registering to be a Republican. (laughs) And I don't think that at that time, I don't think in 2018, I thought quite the same as I do now in 2020. So I was fine with the whole notion of being a Democrat and pushing the party, right? The same narrative that people like AOC kind of pushed, like, we can be in the party and we can push them further left. To to some extent, that has happened, but not really. And so, and I've said this before that I am leaving the Democratic Party. Like, post, what is what is election day? Blexit. When is when is election day? Candace Owens. Are you comparing me to Candace Owens? I think that's quite offensive. <laughs> I think that's quite untrue. Um, wow, she's really crazy. Like I took that personally. <laughs> November fourth, I will be deregistering, and I will become a what is it called a no party voter? Then, yeah, I don't. I don't have any interest in being tied to any political party. Unaffiliated. Same. Okay. Cool. <laughs> but wait, wait, wait. Back to so your point about if the Democrats, are in, I mean, that's all right. If the if black people are in an abusive relationship with the Democrats, I think it actually is, and I think that Isaac explained it well by calling it the entanglement if we take <laughs> if we take right like the 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 jada and <laughs> sorry Osprey, let me finish let me finish <laughs> so like okay but like for real like think about it like in in the jada and august thing there was finally some conversation about like how power manifests itself in relationships and consent with uh like women to men right like we there was somewhat a better conversation now about the relationship between men and women that what um in you know in abusive context that was not like well he's a man so he enjoyed it mm-hmm. and so like in that same vein like the democrats like like the democrats are putting black people in entanglement because what party is there that is even open to black people? Like, does that make sense? Like, 
exactly. like it, once again it's like a conversation of representation like would i rather be represented in one of the two dominant parties and just choose which one is like in my best interest would i like to spread us out and try to you know maneuver in all different parties are parties just a white establishment that are not conducive to liberation like mm. i actually think i actually think the jada kind of analogy is actually very good and part of it is that she is like a woman so i feel like there is more wiggle room it's harder to fathom the fact like if the i hate to be this person but if it were will in a relationship with one of willow's friends <laughs> um will smith should no longer be on the internet like it that would be obviously bad and to me that's like republicans trying to get the black like that's Base, that's that is a bad. really good analogy. <laughs> but like, but with Jada, you're like, oh, like there's something, <laughs> there's something there. We're playing with power dynamics. We're playing with something. And that's so, but it's equally exploited. She, ex, she is abusive. <laughs> I mean, let me not get into Jada, but whatever. Um, yeah. So I actually think it's quite comparable to the Jada's. And, and we're now realizing that women can be abusive. And we're now realizing that, well, when it comes to, let me not say that. <laughs> let me backtrack. We're now realizing that Jada had the power to abuse. And we're now realizing that that the Democratic Party does too. Hmm. So, yeah, anyways, let me, <laughs> next. Um, I, I wanted to ask the question that I asked right before we started filming or recording, which was the concept of Blackness and yeah, because so I see a lot of people like there's this whole thing about anti-blackness. And I think my issue is that people ascribe that too much to being anti-black people. I mean, that's relevant. But in my head, you I can separate the concept of blackness and black people. And rather, we are what gives them an excuse to bring it to life. Well, there are. A significant, and I think this supports your argument. There are a significant amount of Black Americans who are anti-blackness. What? Mm, okay. Anti-anti-black. Anti-blackness. What I mean by that is, if 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 you're treating if you're treating um, blackness as a similar similar concept to whiteness in the way that it was created in the system that it was created in, there are Black people who, quote, don't like how other Black people act, if you know what I mean. Um, and so that's what I mean by Black people who are anti-Blackness. Hmm. And who actually... I, like, so, I guess my question is more so that if there weren't any Black people living on this earth, would people still be anti-Black? So my, my question is, like, more so... Um, it's kind of how, and I meant to bring this up the other day, it's kind of how we have um, flat earthers, right? The concept of, of flat earth still exists. We have less flat earthers and it has shifted from the dominant view to the kind of minority view. And we shame people for being flat earthers because evidence exists that they're wrong. And I'm saying what, like, if we took the same approach to, um, <laughs> now people are going to be like, what? If we took the same approach to um, kind of racism 
And like, will racism ever be obsolete? Now I'm going to get into Afro-pessimism with my question. But I want Jahar to answer the original question, which is, can you separate Black people from Blackness? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. And I don't think so, particularly because the conditioning of Blackness is also phenotypical. Right. Exactly. If yeah. I'm conditioned, if I'm conditioned to see a picture, right, it, because we know this with like bias tests and experiments, if I see a dark skinned baby and I see a and I see a white baby, I'm automatic, I'm conditioned, I'm I'm um indoctrinated to view the uh dark darker toned baby as deviant, as um facetious, as up to no good, um, you know, not an addition to society. Like, like the, 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 if we remove black people from blackness, anti-blackness may still exist. And you try, you know, because the whole thing about whiteness is, it, you know, it, it shifts and it changes over time. But then you would also have to do the work of changing your people's perception of certain groups to be able to fit into blackness. So that they're conditioned to once again ascribe that um, those behaviors, those characteristics, those um, I don't know ideals to another body. Right. That's why I don't think that right. you can just you know what I'm saying. Like if no, okay, go ahead. Like I don't, I don't think that you you can just one day wake up and say, okay, black people. I know if black people were to like exist in some separate society from white people, that we automatically get absolved of anti-blackness like we like that's no longer my narrative right right right. no i'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that either so i think obviously i think black people and, and and blackness are intrinsically linked but i'm saying more so that i think what people to me anti-black goes further than just hating black people and it's hating everything ascribed to blackness Well, I think in my mind, I'm considering blackness and whiteness, not as the same thing, but as exceptionally similar in their creation, because there's no concept of blackness before the concept of race, same for whiteness. And in that way, if we have an existence of black people at some point without blackness, and I suppose they would not be considered black people at the time but if we have black people existing without blackness i think it's possible to separate it mm, i think it is a logical possibility to separate black people from blackness i don't think it's necessarily a logistical possibility right and i guess the whole thing is like the whole thing is illogical but like right, right. but I, I guess i was speaking more to because i hear a lot of people being like okay Person A says to person B who's white, you're anti-black. And they're like, no, but I love black people. <laughs> and you're like, oh, but you see, like, it goes further than that. Yeah. Like, you just don't like, you know what I mean? And so you're saying if you're treating them as separate concepts in that manner, then they should be able to be separated? No, they're intrinsically linked. But I think, I, I guess I'm really just trying to get at that point, which is I think, like, 
blackness as a concept as opposed to black people like they're month like do you see what i'm saying yeah no i understand well i think how are you, how do you define blackness oh okay and I want to. I would want to hear Jahari's too, because I don't think we're necessarily disagreeing. I think we're treating it as a different understanding of the word. Aswee, do you want to go first or shall I? No. <laughs> go ahead, Jahari. Okay, hold on. Let me find this chair because I've you had. It. I've had it for a you while. In Webster. Huh? No. Why are we looking at Merriam-Webster to define blackness? I'm not even sure that it's really in there. <laughs> That's right. So okay, so black. So okay, so the on, the way to understand blackness is really in terms of desirability, right? The the point of blackness is to be undesirable. So despair, depression, right? That's how we get the narratives about our communities. That's how we get the narratives of neighborhoods. That's why people like. That's why it's so easy to block any progress towards black liberation because we always have to there's always going to be a state of black people to be in despair and depression right whether that means physically or just like some symbolic measure of like our ethos our aesthetic right like our communities were always or our neighborhoods will always look in despair right that's why we ascribe welfare the projects to black people because that creates that kind of mindset so um, clean versus dirty, right? Notice that a lot of things we deem as dirty have some darker thing to them, right? When we think about um, I, I, what's a what's a good what's a good way? Like, if something is clean, we call it lily white, right? And we call it um, oh, that's so white. Like, how did you get it? How did you get your um, you know your countertop to be so white, right? Like, well, then we say. What's all that black stuff around your toilet? You know what I'm saying? And like omens, like black cats. Right, oh, right. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna break down blackness into these um, factors. And I, I will be completely fair that I got this out of my college course. So I'm just leaning back on it. <laughs> so, right, education. So, okay, generally dishonored or disgraced. Black kids being advanced into an adulthood characterized by deviant and defiling or profane behavior, even as young children, being prone to criminality, hypersexualization of black people, especially black men, contributing to overstated arguments of pain tolerance, um, thereby condoning excessive force. Hmm. But to me, okay. Um... I, and so, so to me, that's that's a function. That's how it functions. But I don't know. I'm trying. I guess what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to get at the root of it. And I had a rec I had a, uh, a conversation with someone, and they basically said, in order for you to be anti-capitalist, you have to read Marx, Karl Marx. And I screamed. I I screamed. But <laughs> more importantly. I came to a real realization that to me that was very anti-black. Not but not because Karl Marx is a white man, that's very relevant. But it is the like that's he he's a theor like he he basically was saying you have to read theory. And I'm saying no, my 
experience is what makes me anti-capitalist. And I think that's what, to me, that's the biggest difference between blackness and whiteness is that blackness is rooted in experience. Like whiteness will be rooted in myth and theory. Well, that's, that's what I'm, I'm finding. Well, let me say two things. One, going to your point about Marx, and you all know I'm a huge economics guy. I hate that whole thing about Marx being the center of anti-capitalism because all of Marx's writing pertains to capitalism and subscribes to a capitalist system. Socialism and communism both do not exist. Right. Even, even if you're talking about Marxism as the more radical socialism, the first step is tear down the capitalist system, which means it only exists in a capitalist system. While everyone who is subjugated under the capitalist empires, the mercantilist empires um, during those periods were anti-capitalist and anti-mercantilist. So I, yeah, I agree with the criticism there. Um, what I'm finding interesting about, and I think this is my perception, and I think also Jahari would have significantly more education on the issue, but I perceived by the two words, blackness and whiteness to be, again, not the same thing, but to be the same concept, just one pertaining to black people and one pertaining to white people. And what I'm sort of getting from Jahari's definition is that that's not the case. Say that part one more time. So I'm saying- <laughs> Like you said a lot, so like- I'm trying- in my head, when Atsue asked that question, right? even just before this moment, I see blackness and whiteness as the same thing, except for the fact that one is prescribed as negatively to black people and one positively to white people, but fundamentally the same concept as the essence of black or essence of white and what i'm understanding from that definition that you gave which i think is a good definition is that that's not the case right so white so this is also the thing right that and th so like when we dismantle black like this is why and like this dismantling anti-black racism is so important no black person has ever died from anything other than anti-blackness and I will stand on that hill and I will die on it. You can shoot me, whatever. No black person has died from any other cause other than anti-blackness. Hmm. And so what that so what that also means is that there's no white people dying from whiteness. Right? right. Because, okay. because, because, it, it, because it exists as an on the blackness part. So okay, so back to what I use as that definition of, of blackness, right? Anti-blackness meaning the climate of the societies that we live in, specifically capitalizing, making policy, making societies off of the brunt of their definition of an inferior people, both in skin color and in you know characteristic, that if that is the foundation of what our society is, then every black person is doomed to die. If it, it is not so, so for instance, black men, right? When we talk about police brutality, when we talk about lynchings, black men die in the public sphere, right? More often than um, the domestic sphere where predominantly that's where black women get um, the most violence enacted upon them. Um, look at Breonna Taylor versus George Floyd. Like, right. <laughs> like it, it is something about um, the historical roles that we have attributed to 
um, each group, black men as being, um, what did I say, like hypersexualized. And so the white imagination, right, whiteness is, is killing black men off of um, some imaginative concept that black men are always running towards the, the, you know, deteriorating the virtue of white womanhood of the white community, right? It's why we didn't want black men in the, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like black women could work in the homes. Black men had to stay out of the homes, right? You were supposed to keep working on your side of the railroad tracks to, you know, make some prosperity for your community. You weren't supposed to be working for me because I don't want you near my house. I don't want you near my property. But then the mm. statement, the statement, all black men die because of anti-blackness. I didn't say, well, yes, all black people do die from anti-blackness. I don't, I don't know how to really dig into that anymore. <laughs> like, I, like, I'm not, it's not a working theory. It's like, that's my standpoint. Like people die from anti-blackness. Like it is such a permeating disease that it kills people. Like that's the whole essence of this co-opted. Wait, 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 sorry. Are you saying all black men die because of anti-blackness. Why you keep saying black men like I didn't say all black Wait, wait, Or all anti-blackness kills. I'm sticking with all black people die from anti-blackness. And I'm being up by this statement because what I'm, I guess what I'm getting at is like, are we talking about cause of death? or psychological effects. I, that's what I'm confused about. Because the statement all, I'm, the statement all black men die because of- Why do you keep saying all black men? Why do you keep doing I that? I that's what you said. I said all black people. I've said it four times okay. now. <laughs> I've said it four statement, times. This, my bad. No, no, no. I genuinely thought you said all black men. The statement all black people die because of anti-blackness is confusing me because, and that's what I'm asking. Are you talking about cause of death? Because that that's not, I, I'm not understanding that in my head. Right. No, no, no. I see what you're saying. Like, as in what is written? As in a black man. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Trips and falls and dies. Okay, well, clearly that is, <laughs> like, clearly that is a more cynical way of seeing it. Like, if somebody trips and falls and busts their head on a crooked road, like, <laughs> like I, I don't know what you want to do with that. I think I'm understanding your statement better now. It's a bit of a hyperbolic statement, but I understand what you're saying. Hyperbolic. No, I think I think your statement was strongest when you said no white person has died because of what. Like to me, that's when I was like, oh right, I see okay, what you're yeah. saying. Okay, well then keep that right. Well, when I say well, once again, this is about whiteness cannot thrive. It cannot exist without the, without, with, within the absence of blackness, right? So okay, what's interesting to me about your question, Ate, was when you asked what would happen if black people were removed from, I forget what your exact question was, but like if black people were no longer ascribed to blackness, what would happen? No, no, no. It was, it, okay, so it was more so rather if we took away every black person, do you, I, I was basically trying to get at, like, I personally believe 
that blackness is larger than black people and whiteness is larger than white people. And what I find right. fascinating is that you use the term, you, yeah, you use the term um, uh, white imagination. And to me, that's exactly what it, so like to me, again, as I said, blackness to me seems rooted in experience because what was fascinating, so the person said, well, do you read theory? This was after I said I'm anti-capitalist. Right, right, right. I'm like, no, <laughs> um, I'm anti-capitalist because of experience. Now, I personally would say that I benefit from capitalism, but what I was more so speaking to, to was huh? to an extent, to an, uh, yes, to an extent. But I am sitting comfortably in my home. Right. <laughs> um, so, but it was to me, it was getting at more so. Like you have to be theoretically opposed to it as opposed to experientially opposed to it. And I said, no, I'm anti-capitalist because I know the stories of my grandma. You see what I'm right. saying? It felt very rooted in theory, white imagination and, and like um, non-foundational. Uh, and it, it felt less rooted in kind of... Um, Again, experience. I don't know. I guess I'm trying to get at the crux of what it means to be Black and Blackness. Right. right. Well, okay. This is something else that sort of confused me, is you <laughs> both seem to define Blackness as a negative, but then you also define anti-Blackness as a negative. Because what, what I'm hearing from, if, okay. if, if we're saying Blackness is the experience of a Black person, person and that's that's why i'm having trouble with these definitions if we're saying blackness is the experience of the black person i would agree but then how is anti-blackness and i'm not trying it's not like i'm really not trying to do like a gotcha moment i'm genuinely trying to understand how both can be a negative thing i mean the question is to me <laughs> like i don't know to me anti-blackness is next like I get what you're saying. I think that's actually a really great question. And I guess you could just be like, well, it's all relative and it's all subjective. I mean, yeah. But I guess what I'm saying is blackness was created to be a negative. Yeah. So, so yeah. Like, <laughs> but I get what I'm, I'm going to go back to what I said, <laughs> which is that to me, it's still rooted in experience. Like, I don't even know how to further, maybe I need to go home. I am home. Maybe I need to reflect a little bit more <laughs> on what I'm saying here. Right. But to me, when he said, when he told me that, I was like, that feels anti-Black. So, right? so like, when, we, when we have a revolution and we get rid of whiteness, and obviously mm. I'm not going to propose getting- Well, we get rid of whiteness. rid of whiteness. Are we getting rid of whiteness or white domination? White domination is the better answer because white domination would take down anti-blackness or would take, right. Would okay, take okay, but so, so to me, to me, the definition of whiteness is the construction, the construction of white, a non-existent racial category. Well, race doesn't exist, but whiteness is this non-existent racial identity that certain groups cling to. And I do not think that blackness is the same. It's not even on the same level because blackness is not a non-existent black identity that black people cling to for benefit in any way. So I'm not gonna say 
that. They are but I'm saying to, in, right? in the process of getting rid of whiteness, however that happens, and I think it should happen in terms of whiteness being that constructed figment of white imagination, should blackness be removed. And I'm not saying all of the things of blackness. I'm not saying the experience of blackness. I'm saying, should it be removed as a concept? So I think there's multiple things going on. I think that blackness is also like, in addition to being a categorical implication of abuse and of racism, it's also like phenotype. Like it's also my skin. Like I, I am like my blackness, like just my skin color, like not even the conditions of blackness that have to exist for whiteness to exist, but the actual like skin, like my, like the skin I'm in right? Like that blackness is what people are talking about. Like, and I think that that's what is confusing you is because like when I'm talking about as I am, the black that I am, the skin that I'm in, that that's more of the anti-blackness. Like, I don't know, like it's a lot of layers here. So it's like peeling back, right? So oh, like anti-blackness as being against people of my skin color, which is also ascribed to the undesirability of blackness that I was talking about earlier. Right? Like it's it, it's a it's a you know what I'm saying? Like it's a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And blackness is to my skin as my skin is to the conditions of blackness. And so okay, so I guess I, I do want to expand on the question I asked, even out of the conversation of the whiteness and blackness. So we have uh oh wait 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 let, get that off your chest. Sorry, go ahead <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of just floored. That's me thinking um, I guess to me, like when you say that in my head, I'm just registering, you know, that there was this outfit, some guy wore, it was like across the world, darker people suffer more. Why? Like it's getting more at, to that. Like when you say skin color, I guess you're getting to that statement more, but I do think like blackness, what, what we deem white and what we deem black more so what we deem white has shifted. Like we're having now this conversation about are Jewish people white? You know, right. like that, that, that make like, so, yeah. But, but I guess people were also is... proximate to blackness. Right. Right. But see, this is where we're getting into, <laughs> I forgot we even had that conversation. This is where we're going to get into it because here's the problem. Here's the problem. Whiteness is not just, it's not just about the lightness of your skin. Exactly. So... Again, and that is, Giselle from is Real that the difference? Is that, is that the fundamental difference then between? And I, in my mind right now, before we rationalize it, I think it is a fundamental difference between whiteness and blackness. Whiteness is picking and choosing who subscribes to whiteness because it's the power, and blackness is not. It's the domination. Let's use strong, so, okay, let's so, use, let's use strong words on this podcast. <laughs> But okay, the way I, I I don't mean to I don't mean to liken it to this, right? Oh, so when we say like uh -oh. <laughs> ready, because I feel like I have to again I'm fighting a couple battles. So so if we say down with the patriarchy, right? Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Because to me down with the presidency. Like, Right. Um, <laughs> it's a bit um, than what I said, but <laughs> I knew you would agree. I think, I think white supremacy and the patriarchy function differently. I mean, the patriarchy is older. I think I they agree. function differently. I agree. 
they, they, I, I, I think, think that the patriarchy been... is significantly more ingrained than white supremacy. Um, okay. I don't know if I'm going to go there. <laughs> but I just think the concepts, the concepts that, um, the concepts that, see, because I don't think the patriarchy was founded out of fear. But I think whiteness was. And that's why I'm going to go back to my thing about experience, because experience will always be the strong, like, I don't know, again, here I go with my theories, but I don't know, I think the patriarchy and white supremacy function very differently, were founded very differently, and exist for different reasons. They function the same way to the victims, I mean, well, similarly to the victims of it, but I, I think, I don't know, I'm trying to get the crux of what it means to have a patriarchy. And I just think it's fascinating because, like, I was again I was on this group chat and the patriarchy comes up and I'm like no but do you not see how violence is a function of the patriarchy right. like like I like this is a this is no revolutionary idea but I think if we dismantle the patriarchy less men would die every year yeah. like I, like correct you, <laughs> going right. back to Isaac's question um offline about um feeling safer around certain people. Like if, when we were talking about murderers, right? And murderers in the context of abolition, what do we do with them? Like the dismantling of the patriarchy where, you know, men are not conditioned to kill and violate other people in response to some type of, you know, felt um, repression well, okay, let me say something on the topic. Yeah, I didn't mean to expose you like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fine. Okay, so first, let me talk about what I mean when I say the patriarchy is more ingrained. Um, I don't think anybody could make an assessment on which one is... I don't, I'm not trying to say one is worse, but right, I think right. the fact that the patriarchy has existed significantly longer than any concept of race is worth understanding. Um, but that's I just think, because- uh, But obviously there's like, one of the fundamental differences between patriarchy and white supremacy is white supremacy is more, and any racial supremacy is more violent because you can create a society of one race. You cannot create a society of one sex slash gender. Um, right. So I think that that's a key difference. And I think that's why it's easier to, or I don't wanna say easier to take apart the patriarchy, but it's easier for people to understand uh, dismantling mm. the patriarchy than white supremacy. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's all I was gonna say on that part. I'm still sticking by the question I asked earlier about abolition, um, but well, that's, I think that's another conversation. I think yeah. we're having a good one right now. I, I I still don't know if you understand what I mean when I say that all black people die from anti-blackness. The way I'm, I, I'm do all do all women the way die I'm choosing wait wait sorry, say that again. Do all women die because of sexism? The way I'm choosing to interpret Jahari's- <laughs> I, I'm gonna have to think on that. That's a good question. Listen, listen, I, I think that's a good question that I'm not necessarily prepared to, to, to 
in relation to if 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 anti-blackness is killing black people, then by extension, I guess it does make sense that sexism and the patriarchy would be killing women, including the fact that women tend to live uh, shorter lives when they're married. But nonetheless, but that's why I said like dismantling the patriarchy would. I, I think men die at the rates that they do because of the pick. Like, well, that's that's my whole thing. Like the whole culture of violence. Okay, right. but wait. So going back to Jahari's statement, because he's saying I still don't understand. I was well, asking. I asked if you understood. No, absolutely not. Okay. Because the the problem I have with it is I think it's exceptionally hyperbolic. I think it's exceptionally exaggerated, and. I think all anti-blackness kills is one way I'm choosing to interpret it. Generally, anti-blackness kills. But the statement, logically the statement, and this might go into my philosophical thoughts on just logical statements in general, the statement that all black people die because of anti-blackness doesn't work logically in my head. Because there are people who die for other i think a significant amount of people die from anti-black systems but it logically doesn't work in my head that all black people so you agree <laughs> you just said they die from anti-black systems so they die from anti-blackness but not all of them it's the all that's not working for me and this is why i'm saying i think it's an overly exaggerated statement i don't think it would be fair to say that all women die from sexism no, but I think I so I raised that because I just think that the patriarchy and white supremacy again to me are operating differently. Oh, for sure, for sure. Like, like again, I think death. But also had our Venn diagram. For sure. Say that again. Like their Venn diagram. Like I mean, I think that exists like separately because like not all racialized identities experience them the same, but there is a synergy between where white domination, because I don't like the term white supremacy, white domination meets the rubber on the same road as patriarchy. Oh, right. That's why I say things like black men are hypersexualized. Like that's a function of patriarchy. Yes, I think the patriarchy has shed off onto yeah. black diasporas. Well, Okay, I mean, I don't want to speak like out of my butt here, but <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, again, yes. So the, I would say I'm confident in saying that the patriarchy has existed longer than white supremacy. Um, I guess now I'm going to speak with to my experience. Um, I don't think I, when I go back, well, yes. So when I go back to Ghana specifically, I don't think I, I experienced some type of untouched society. But I do think something, some cultural aspects are critical to understanding post-colonial um, kind of, yeah, thought and, and culture. Okay. And I do see the, the um, more present version. I, like This is a whole theory when it comes to my tribe specifically. There is more, um, the matriarchy exists to a certain extent. Right. And I, I don't know, like, I don't want to go <laughs> too far into this until so someone comes in, like, what are you talking about? Like, I research, no, but I think <laughs> that there is a, like, there's a critical, like, I said it 
two seconds ago. They operate differently, obviously in conjunction with one another, with one another, but there is something critically different about the patriarchy and white supremacy. Well, that, go ahead. Well, see, the only reason I don't agree is because, well, actually, I think that the beginning of patriarchy happens um, around the time that you say is like the original sin of humanity, which is the domestication of animals. I think that's where the patriarchy Let's starts. Let's not get into this. <laughs> like, I think that's where the patriarchy starts, but also I there are some, you know, people like Marx. <laughs> Ew. Uh, or or not, not people like Marx, but like scholars of Marxist theory, right, also believe that it emerges um, in a capitalist society where we uh, have private property that is controlled by men, because then it's easier to once again do the indoctrination and conditioning work of ascribing men to a higher um, power in the social system. Um, okay, I'm going to- I think, I think actually- These I are just theory things. I'm not subscribing. This is about to be, this is gonna be a longer conversation for sure. Yeah. <laughs> if you look at anthropology, am, anthrop anthropogenic evaluations of the creation of patriarchy, there's a few things, a few things. And one major factor is biological reproduction. And the reason being is that males can have significantly more offspring than females can have, simple math. And it created power dynamics in Central Asia, China, and Europe, which are also the most violent societies. I will never back down from that statement, despite people trying to attack me for it. Um, they're also the most violent societies, and that could be connected to patriarchy, but that took root in those areas just by the way that men can have more offspring and offspring is essential to human, um, offspring and species were essential to early human life. And I think that plays a significant role, but there are tons of different theories on sort of why and how it was created. But I also think this is less of an argument and just something I find interesting about it is in in terms of the British monarchs, there some of the most powerful British monarchs were women, but all of those women up until Queen Victoria portrayed themselves, and this is going into the socially constructed gender, portrayed themselves as men. Queen Elizabeth went as far to say that she was a man in a woman's body, Queen Elizabeth I. Um, and so I just find that- Not the currently alive one. That powerful. <laughs> Men have found their ways into the patriarchy. Mm, I mean, okay. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm still thinking about her statement there. That just makes me laugh. About But, um, <laughs> huh? About which statement? Saying that she she was a man in a woman's body. Oh, like that. Well. <laughs> That's just okay. Um, it actually made me lose my thought. Um, yeah, I can't even think about what I was going to say. No, but okay. go ahead. No, you can go. I just think, um, like when it comes to, like, I'm going to zoom out and go back to what I said. Like right. when it comes to the patriarchy, um, and like what it means to dismantle it. Like, I fully think that people think that, oh, that just means that we have to get rid of thinking women are inferior 
And I'm saying, no, like, that's a, that's a critical part of it. But, like, the same way, so, okay, if we get rid of the patriarchy, do we have to get rid of manhood? And if we get rid of white dominance, do we have to get rid of whiteness? Well, okay, that's, see, this is getting into a really interesting conversation. <laughs> we'll continue this conversation because we ran well over an hour. Ooh. I don't know if the people want to listen to our voice for this long for one All right, let me just quick say something. I think this is going to be a huge debate in the left coming up because the left is a lot about unity. However, and this is going to be a conversation. It is. <laughs> I said that oh, as a Democrat. They always talk about, I would say there are a lot of people on the left who just support things because it's on the left. I think the same is true for the right. Um, and they don't critically think about it. But I think what's going to, what's interesting that's going to come up um, in terms of immigrant cultures and just native cultures versus functioning in the white American and Western societies is that there are successful cultures um, which operate with not necessarily rigid, but offer, operate with sort of, I'm trying to think about how to say this in a good, non-offensive way. No. Nope. Free your mind. Right, just, right. Just say it. Just say it. Be candid. Be the candid. gender politics of the left are not are going to butt heads with nativist native cultures. Oh yes, yes. I significantly, agree. and that is going to be something that has to be dealt with. And you have to ask the question: Is it beneficial to take away some of the things that are constructed in gender? Because even in matriarchies in North America and North American native societies and in Africa and in Southeast Asia, you still in, have in, that con in the United States. Sorry? Nothing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I don't mean the United States. No, 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 no. I know that that you don't mean, but go ahead, go ahead. Just finish. Sorry. Just, go in, ahead. Even in those matriarchal societies, there is that gender dynamic. And I, uh, my only point is that those are going to butt heads. The gender politics of the West and sort of this liberation versus native cultures, which people are looking to. Mm, I actually think that there's a danger in looking to native, like when I when I say native, I don't mean like native American, but I mean like- Yeah, I don't either. I just post colonial, because I just think it, we're doing us, ourselves a disservice to to like not recognize like what we've gone through. Like, I don't know. So so when I say, I, I, I totally agree. When I say, I want to be very clear for everyone who's listening. When I say native cultures, I'm talking about pre-colonized cultures. So it includes some Native American cultures and African cultures and Southeast Asian cultures and Australian Polynesian cultures, um, for sure. But yes, I'm talking about the old culture because there is this huge movement of if we're in this Western culture and we don't like it, do we just turn back to the old ways? Mm -hmm, like, yeah. You're saying, Sway, I don't think that's necessarily the answer because some people would like to imagine that those mm -hmm. cultures were perfect before colonization, which is not the case. And I don't think it does a great service to just attack how those cultures were negative, but it's also right. not that great to just perceive them as these amazing sort of, you know, problems. Right. I also want to say, okay, this is jumping back a little bit, but I think that this is, uh, this is more like a, one of my final thoughts. When we talk about people who say like they're men and women's bodies or they feel like they're women and men's bodies, that's not the activism they may think it is. <laughs> like, well, because what we got there more so than like smashing the patriarchy or like destructing the notion of gender is we're actually 
uh, like, and I mean this not as particularly as people say, um, like this about themselves, but like the if I say this about somebody else, that what I'm doing is un ungendering them more so than dismantling gender. Meaning that I'm not, I'm, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. like I'm stripping them of the humanity or like the the personhood that we Im implicate ourselves into in gender. Like, you know, like in terms of how I'm supposed to act who I am, what I'm supposed to look like, beauty, all of that, like un, like I'm ungendering all of that. Does that make sense? I might have that theory I, wrong. I a lot of, and, and I'm gonna ask a question, but are you sort of, is, isn't the way that non-binary people, even in their label, they're treated as non-binary, not like dismantling gender. They're just like, you recognize somebody as non-binary and you just go, oh, they're just not one of the two societally created genders we have is that sort of what you're saying yes like like in the <laughs> in the sense of like like it's a verb like to not gender or to reverse the gendering of so like in that case not gendering right but also reversing the gendering like i like i think of a story that someone told where they were standing you know in the middle of the street and you know a, a man walked up to them and said oh excuse me sir and then, you know, like he turned around to look at him. I mean, the person turned around to look at him and just looked. And the guy like stood there and stared at the person and was like, oh, sorry, ma'am. Oh, I, I mean, I, I don't know what whatever the fuck you identify as. That That's the story. <laughs> don't laugh. <laughs> it's not funny. Um, but like you like. Oh, I saw this on Twitter. Oh, my God. OK. Right. Like you you. That somebody okay, but that story actually happened in real life. Yeah, I saw that happen. <laughs> like that's what a bit of fairy tales, huh? Never mind. Just keep going. <laughs> so what I'm all that to say is like, like you're choosing when you choose when they that man chose not to gender that chose to ungender that person that day by reversing. You see what I'm saying? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Like by reversing. Um, like to degender or like removing or like even like the middle passage as like ungendering. Like when people are moving through the slave trade, like in the actual ships, is ungendering. Mm. But okay, see, here I go. Um, two things. It was would that so I guess be that wasn't the final thought. <laughs> right, no, and it's okay, we can go over. Um would that be comparable to de-racializing someone how do you de-racialize so, so so being like what are you like oh oh whatever you are like like is that the oh i see i see, is I see. That, so no i think i think this is going back to the issue of the stark contrast between yeah. what patriarchy and white superiority are or I white have, this is the circle that isn't in the middle <laughs> I, had a, I had a breakthrough while Jahari was speaking, which I'm, and, and I'm not a revolutionary. Oh my gosh. But um, I think what we need to start doing is actually um, question and speak to more white women when we're talking about racism, because the binding thing that makes them a white woman to me is, is this aspect of double purity. Like, they're pure on the aspect of, of being white, 
but there also is some sort of purity attached to women like womanhood and virginity and that kind of um you know system and that like to me that's the crux of why white or why white domination and the patriarchy are working differently is because the white woman is the most pure person we have in our society yeah yeah. And like we like to we like to say it's the white man. And the, listen. <laughs> I'm not I'm not not I'm not going to um not speak to what white men are doing in our society, but I think it's fascinating to speak to white women as this kind of um epit- like I don't know, exemplar of what purity looks like in our society. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that assessment. Um, And I think that's very true, because if you think about it, it's that same like white purity that justified the criminalization of black men Mm. uh, post slavery. So I agree. Um, All right. We've gone long over time. Right. (laughs) Do we have any 30 second final thoughts? I've said everything I need to say. I guess my final thought is like, can we rethink utopias? So, okay. Maybe this is another thought. Oh gosh, sounds like a whole book. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> do we rethink what what we want to live in. Um, do we really want to live next to white supremacists? Is integration really um, <laughs> something okay, that's us, in our utopia? Uh, this is not a thirty second final thought. Yes, it is. <laughs> do we really want to revert, like like strictly revert to um, our native? cultures i'm not gonna say our some people's native cultures um like what do we want like what do we want and someone asked me that recently and i was like well dang it i don't know um i don't know what i want (laughs) and that's my issue maybe i don't know but um yeah can we rethink what we the world we want to live in like is it a colorblind world is it a world without genders yeah Jahari? Um, I don't have any. I mean, I just have one thing. All Black people die from anti-Blackness. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Wait, we should do an Instagram poll. We're going to have to talk about that again. Say it again? What'd you say? I said, we're going to have to talk about this again. That's fine. All right. <laughs> we'll close there for the day. Thank y'all. Bye. Bye. Thank you.